0: Today's sponsor is Sneakus, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam Mogadis.
1: Is it coming? Is it coming Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks Yeah, your lover's an abyss For my heart to eclipse now Might be over now, but I feel it still Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks now I've been feeling it since 1966 now Might be over now
0: is up dough welcome to another edition of the pixel and roll show where we discuss we are the champions we are the southeast division champions of the world (laughs) your washington wizards hello everyone this is adam mcginnis it is march 29th 2017 how's the hangover did you get in the bubbly last night when we clinched it all after the Lakers victory? The good stuff? A little fuzzy this morning as you're celebrating something that this team has not accomplished in ah, almost four decades and you're ready for the banner? <laughs> I joke in jest. But it is a goal of the team. They were really excited in the locker room after they took out took out the Lakers last night and now clinched the Southeast Division Championship for the first time, a division title since 1979. And so, kudos to the team, the players, and the coaches. They're excited. But obviously, there are bigger fish to fry coming up. Did you notice that the music was a little shorter on the intro? I spent a few weekends ago, St. Patty's Day, uh, with my family back in the great state of Nebraska, some Nebraska nice, Omaha style. My mother has finally decided to download my podcast, and she gave me some feedback. And said that Adam, who's ever going to listen to your podcast if this music is so long? And I told her, Mom, I give zero f's whether about the music. That's my thing. But hey, you gotta love your mom. She's my best friend. You always gotta listen to it. So I shortened it up for all you people so you can go back in uh, to this episode. And here I am still rambling longer than probably the music. But yes. The Wizards took out the Lakers last night. Uh, This podcast was recorded before the the Lakers game and they take on the Clippers this evening. But a little housekeeping before we get into the the meat of this episode. So I was on local sports TV last weekend. Uh, Sports Talk, News Channel 8, had me as a guest to talk about your favorite basketball team. So thank you to Scott Abraham, uh, producer Keith Aberney. And also Aaron Hawksworth, who was the host along with me. It was a call-in show live from 9 to 9.30 on Friday night. They have it every night uh, talking about local DC sports. And it was my first time to be on TV, per se. And it was quite the experience. It ended up going better than I expected. I was less nervous. And it was weird about the, the medium of TV is that, you know, as a blogger who's been coming to the scene for seven years, and something that's been doing this podcast and, and hangouts for two, three, four years is that you go to a basketball game, the Wizards. You cover it, five, six hours. You interview people before and after you get home. You have you have to you have all your notes, your interviews. You edit videos and pictures and produce some wicked pixels and some crazy narrative. You tweet it out on social media, and then the podcast. You know, I, have, I get guests. I have to plan it, edit it, music, and all this all this stuff that goes along with that. On TV, I just kind of say some hot takes for a couple of minutes and call it a day. <laughs> now obviously the credibility uh, of all that is why they allowed me to be on a, uh, on TV, but I had a lot of hand motions uh, Was some of the feedback I got from some friends and family, but they were very supportive and it was a cool experience and, and hopefully in the future, there'll be some more uh, chances for me to be on TV. I will have the video of my TV performance up on my YouTube page on social media I'll have a post on Truth About It so check it out let me know what you think I thought I did uh, pretty decent not too many ums you like you know, I need to maybe look a little bit more into the TV screen and, and I promise and I swear I do not think that Kyrie Irving is an MVP race I said Kawhi which I'll also talk about later on the podcast so check it out, and it's, it's pretty neat. But any success that I would have is because of you, the listeners, the readers. You are a part of anything that I will parlay this into, and I'll always be appreciative, and I'm still going to do what I do. But you are the backbone of anything, and I'm so thankful and blessed that you have invested your time and resources and word of mouth into this project that we have had because as fans we've been through a lot I don't have enough words uh, to tell you how grateful I have been so I am done with the sappiness let's talk about this show me and Rashad Mobley uh, broke down your Washington Wizards on the next hour we get into uh, the Boston game the funeral the disappointment the Hawks victory at home beating the hapless Nets taking out the Cleveland Cavaliers last Saturday night in a fun, fun game as a fan. We go into the intricacies of that game analytically. We really break down the positioning here over the last few weeks, how it's going to shake out for the Wizards as they're now currently in third. The Raptors are charging hard. The Cavs are slipping to second, but maybe a chance to go back to first with the Celtics and who we, the Wizards maybe want to play in the first round? Do we? What? How do we try to set up the second round matchup? That conversation gets very interesting. I think everyone will some benefit into that. We also uh, discuss you know being in LA, this road trip, and what we see here in the future of the next week, and then also a bunch of Twitter questions that we have from some, from some listeners. So uh, this is me and Rashad Mobley discussing those Southeast. Division Champs, Your Washington Wizards. Enjoy. Mr. Rashad Mobley. Rashad, what has happened, bro? How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, sir? Uh, doing well. Doing well this evening. Uh, brackets busted? Did you fail at any? Mine are totally gone. My, my brackets
2: are so so jacked up. I mean, if North Carolina wins, I can salvage something. But in most of my brackets, I had either villanova kansas so it's been over for me
0: yeah i can't salvage not being a last place in like six of my pools where no co-workers or my 17 year old nephew making fun of me for being last in the family pool so now i'll just be 10th 10th from last crazy games man I, I don't remember the games being as uh, exciting on some of those nights but it was it was wild well we're at a
2: distinct disadvantage because we really don't start
0: we don't pay attention to college basketball, and we try to cram
2: it all in in February, and it just it makes it impossible to pick brackets. You know, had I been paying more attention, I'd have picked South Carolina to go further because you have a senior who basically is pulling a Danny Manning right now. You know, and I didn't pay attention to all of that; I was <laughs> watching basketball. So next year, I need to get started a little earlier.
0: Yeah, it's weird how it shook out. It is the battle of the Carolinas versus Northwest. Uh, country of Oregon and, and Gonzaga. And also, I'm kind of rooting for a, a Ducks-Cocks final, so so all those jokes can happen about birds. Because <laughs> I'm i a child on the internet and, and enjoy the humor way too much on the Twitter machine. But Rashad, let's talk about your favorite NBA basketball team and mine and everyone listening. You're Washington Wizards. It is March 28th currently. We are doing this. Before they take on the hapless Lakers. And we figured out it doesn't really matter what happens in this Lakers game because the Lakers don't want to win. The Wizards should win. So they potentially might clinch the Southeast title uh, tonight. So woohoo! It will be the first division title forever. Uh, here comes the banner. How excited for you for uh, this clinching? Do you have your champagne ready uh, this evening?
2: You know what is hilarious about the timing of this question. Approximately five minutes ago, uh, Mr. Sportsbog, Dan Steinberg hit me up on Twitter and asked me that exact same question. He sent me a, me a message. He said, "How excited are you?" I basically told him, "It doesn't mean jack."
0: I mean, Alex, how excited are you for the Southeast Division title specifically?
2: Right. That, that, that was a specific question, and I was like, "Look, if this were Wall's first run, significant run to the playoffs, I'd be more excited." But as I told Dan, Paul Pierce spoiled us. Like I, at this point. I'm not going to get excited and ramped up until we either A, beat Cleveland or B, get past the second round because Wall has been to the second round and fell short. And so I'm not excited at all. There's other things I'm excited about like the other day on NBA TV, uh, Ron Thompson was trying his best to insert John Wall into the MVP conversation. He admitted that he would be about fifth or sixth or seventh, but he he made the argument that Wall should be in the MVP conversation. So even though I, it's not going to happen, that's just a sign that everybody is recognizing that the Wizards are a force to be reckoned with. So that excites me. The division title, that that's that that's nothing.
0: Yeah, I'm way more pumped to to win 50 games. Even though winning 51 or 49 doesn't really matter at the end of the day, because it's all about. Making East Conference Finals, correct? I mean, that's the goal. I mean, that's what to me, that's the ultimate goal. But in the d- division title, I guess we'll get a banner because there's a lot of caps division title banners up in Verizon Center, and we know that Ted Leonsis is totally willing to have a banner night uh, in, at the phone booth, correct? Yeah, but I don't I don't I don't want any parts of that. <laughs> yes. Yes, I I agree. I, I I'm assuming uh Mr. Mr. Steinberg Dan is uh, being tongue in cheek. But the Wizards are currently 45 and 28 on the season. they had a little blip. We have a podcast for a couple weeks, you know, real life comes at you. The end of the road trip with some lo- a loss, then you know, had a little hiccups at home against Dallas. We were able to outlast Chicago. Lost in in Charlotte. Had the game that we all been waiting for against Boston and if we were better uh, bloggers or I was a better podcaster we would break that Celtics loss down that was really disappointing and then they beat the Hawks at home to start this winning streak but before we move on is anything about that Celtics game that stands out in the sense that now I think we're just kind of content that we're not going to catch the Celtics and and you know it was the rematch and I was really disappointed in the way that the Wizards kind of slept walk through a big game and I felt the the physicality of the guards of Boston really uh, showcased some weakness, possibly on this roster. Well, I I just think it was a combination
2: of the similar to what I expected to happen against the Cavs and didn't happen. But I think that the Boston was just so I mean the Wizards were so pumped up in that last game when they came dressed in black and they just really wanted to get at the Celtics that this game it didn't have quite the same meaning. And when you combine that with the fact that Avery Bradley played, they're a whole different animal when Avery Bradley plays. I mean, Isaiah Thomas doesn't play defense, but Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart – they just, they've ramped up the defense a little bit and I think that's intensity that the Wizards may have got lulled into thinking that the way they beat Boston last time was going to be the norm where you force Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas into a bad game and nobody else really comes at you. The defense's intensity and the physicality of Boston is something that is always there without Avery Bradley but with him there, it kicks up a notch and I think you saw that in the Wizards. They just didn't meet it. And not to jump ahead, but I worried that they would carry that same attitude against the second game against Cleveland, and they didn't. So I think that I'm not too worried about it because when and if they play in the playoffs, the Wizards will not be surprised and no match, you know, their intensity will mirror how it was when they are dressed in all black. I just think they were caught off guard by a couple things. And the, well, the most disappointing part of the little mini slump that they went into is that it allowed Toronto to get closer to them. to so where at one point they were, right there in second place and now they could easily fall down to four um and so and again it may not mean anything because four could mean boston it could mean cleveland we don't know but had they kept up the pace they started during that road trip and not slumped at all they would be in that conversation for the number one team in the East, not just Boston.
0: Yeah, I was shocked how poorly John Wall played in that game against Boston. He's, he seemed like he was sleepwalking and didn't have the intensity that some of his other teammates had, especially you know, the reserves in the second unit. And they came back late in that game, made a big run. I don't want to criticize Scott Brooks too much because I thought he, he has been fantastic all season. And we've nitpicked him here and there. But I thought his decision to go back to Wall and Beale late in that game, he maybe shouldn't have, and he should have just kept the reserves in. Wall and Beale came back in, Boston went on another run. Now I know hindsight is always, obviously always twenty twenty, and maybe the second unit guys would have got tired. But I felt like his chance of maybe proving a point that other coaches would have uh, in that situation. And we've seen that with Scott Brooks uh, compared to, you know, maybe your Doc Rivers or Popovich's or maybe even Ty Lue's we're going to get into. Did you remember that moment What I'm talking about? I do. I did. And I think one of the things I've learned just in the past couple times of talking to Scott Brooks is that
2: he is very loyal to his starters, particularly his point guard. And I think part of that is because of, you know, Scott Brooks was a guard. And I think he's very loyal to them. He feels like Wall and Beal and the starters have gotten them to this point particularly when the bench was not playing well. And I don't think that he is in the business of sending messages at this point in the season. So I think that also ties into why he won't rest any of the starters, particularly Wall and Beal. I just think he feels like if my starters are healthy and my backcourt can lead me, that's what's going to happen. So, I mean, it, when I was watching, I was surprised. I was like, he might as well go with it. And like you said, I've seen Popovich. I've seen a lot of coaches when the bench is playing well, they'll go with the bench and they really don't care You know Brooks isn't like that, and you can't really argue with that. I mean, in a one-game sample size, it looked pretty bad, but you know that that's that's just his philosophy, and I think that ties into how he was as a player.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen him go to Bogdanovich or you know bench Gortat in the fourth, similar to Randy Whitman, uh, a poor (laughs) Marchin. But yes, Wall and Beal, he has never really pulled the trigger on those two uh, of sitting. You know, maybe Anubra, he had gone over uh, Porter. At some point in the game, but Wall and Beal he's going to always close out with, and and it hasn't really manifested in those ways, I thought it stood out in the Boston loss, now me and you covered the Hawks, the game was terrible in the first half, the Wizards turned it on in the fourth quarter, and Wall and Beal just started dancing on national TV, and we both of us wrote about this game, the first half was terrible, John Wall was 0 for 8, couldn't make a shot, looked just awful again. Uh, the Hawks were really banged up, missing Millsap and, and Sizemore, their two starters, especially their all star and Paul Millsap. The the Hawks, you know, they scrapped and battled. Hardaway played really well. It came down to the end, uh, and then the Wizards went on a big run, and then the Hawks, of course, went on a late run, and the Wizards made some free throws there to clinch it out. It was one of those games where the Wizards should win, and I thought maybe that the the minutes, heavy minutes, would catch up with them, but. They really needed that W uh, going forward.
2: Well, more than the W, they needed to win the way that they did. I mean, I, I hate the word swag with all of my heart, but you could just see when when Wall got going and started playing with energy and he had fun, it, w- it was just contagious. And I think that was, you know, you, we needed to see that because that was kind of the precursor to what happened with Brooklyn and then Cleveland, but they just started playing like, Okay, we're not going to play down to the competition. We're not going to do what we did on the road, which is let teams who we know we should beat and beat pretty handily kind of stay in the game. They just decided to get it together. And, I, you know, I don't think this team should get comfortable with the notion that they could turn it on when they need to. Unfortunately, that's what we've been seeing since the road trip, that they can turn it on. And one of the things that we saw in the Boston game is that sometimes you can't afford to just wait and turn it on like that. But against guess the Hawks team that really hasn't looked all that good since the, the moves that they made, they, it worked and it looked good. And like I said before, they, this kind of led to the Brooklyn game when they put it away the way they should have done in Atlanta. Uh, they, I, I didn't mean to jump ahead, but in that, in that Brooklyn game, a couple times when I was watching, I was wondering, since Brooks will not rest the starters, particularly Wall and Beal, will everybody take care of business enough for them to just sit the fourth quarter to get rest? In? And then that's what they did. And that was the first game in a long time that everything clicked. That like everybody played well. Everything clicked, and they put the team away the way they should have. And I forgot to make one more point yes. about uh, the the other thing that was that was good to see in the Atlanta game, and something that uh, Coach Brooks brought up before the game, which is uh Kelly basically he didn't care about what Kelly Oubre did on offense it was his defense and the way he played on that side of the floor that determined how much he would played and i think that uh you know starting with the Boston game against Isaiah Thomas and especially in the uh in the Atlanta game you know Kelly Oubre got a little more confident with his defense and there was a, there was a couple possessions where he was guarding Schroeder and he just you know, it was borderline too aggressive. He picked up a foul, but that that kind of intensity kind of fed into that fourth quarter run that the Wizards had. So, and as we know now, Kelly Oubre later on in the Cleveland game just was huge. So he's, he's I'm not going to say he's 100 percent back because he still loses his man, but he's he's a little more confident now on the defensive end of the floor, and and that I think the genesis of that was the second half of the Hawks game.
0: The thing of this season, this, season uh, this this edition of the Wizards that's really stood out from previous ones in the John Wall era, is that when the team has been better than the other teams, and maybe not have their A game, they found ways to win. Whether it's you know a fourth quarter run or a lull or you know <laughs> on the, that last road trip where they dug themselves huge holes and found a way to win, sometimes in overtime, and we haven't seen that in previous seasons. But then we would see them. Have one of those victories and then have games like the Nets and the Cavs that we're to discuss where all of a sudden they got it rolling. They got themselves to have a conversation like, oh, hey, we didn't play our best, but we won and now we're going to play our best. And and it manifests and it keeps rolling in the momentum of the season, you know, especially when they won 17 games, uh, at home earlier this year and how well they played in January and February, early February. And we saw that against Brooklyn on Friday night. And now Brooklyn, obviously the worst team in the NBA was coming off of a two game, uh, winning streak the first of the season and had been playing well over the last few weeks you were at the game the Wizards did not play well early and then turned it on and were able to cruise uh, like you mentioned and get some needed rest for the starters what was your viewpoint of that game and and what was your reaction from the players and your observations of uh, being at the Verizon Center uh, last Friday night
2: well well first of all after the game I covered the Brooklyn side just because I whenever a team gets blown out like that I like to go to that side and kinda of see what they're saying over there. But you know, one of the things that particularly Jeremy Lynn talked about after the game was what was so demor what is so demoralizing about covering the Wizards on defense is the spacing. You know, he said in years past, you know, with Nene and with, uh, with Gortat, the spacing was different on that team. And he said, now it's like you never know exactly where to go. Is it going to be Wall? Is it going to be Bill? You have to account for Porter. You have to account for Morris. And he said the spacing it just it's totally demoralized him. So that's, that's number one. Number two we saw Brandon Jennings finally jump, you know, get out of his slump and he was I mean... There was one point in the second half where he literally looked like Wall. I mean, he was just blitzing up and down the court. He was finding Bogdanovich. He was finding his his own shot. And,
0: I mean, they scored 129 points.
2: Man. Right. And <laughs> more importantly, they kept the bench. I mean, they kept the starters on the bench. And so, you know, that that was the biggest takeaway is that Brandon Jennings, I mean, he's a little careless with the ball, and there were some premature heat checks going on. But as Brooks said before and after the game, his job is to keep the pace if not accelerate it and he did exactly that and it it was just good to see i mean that's the brendan jennings that i saw when he was with the knicks and that's you know that's what made it so attractive when he initially came in so that that was the biggest thing for me i mean at the starters rest and the emergence of jennings
0: yeah i mean john wall had 22 points in 23 minutes beal had 19 points in 24 minutes Porter played 20, Marquis played 20, Gortat played 18, and they won by 21 points. I mean, that's what you want to see when you're facing the worst team in the NBA, and not what we saw even when we played in Brooklyn. That one, uh, when was that? January. God, they all they all go together. Where they played terrible in the first half and turned it on. Where like, wow, we have to play these guys 40, 45 minutes. Uh, and I think Bodanovich had a three-pointer to tie it right at the end, which is kind of funny now in, in hindsight. Uh, yeah, it, that, that was good. So you go on a back-to-back. You are going to Cleveland. Uh, the first game on this, this tough road trip that's season-defining in a way because they could go anywhere from second potentially uh, to, to fourth here, de- depending on this road trip, you know, with only – you know, 10 games left and a five-game road trip here. They start in Cleveland. Obviously, we know they're going to end in uh, Golden State, the, the two teams that played in the last two finals and the last two champions. They go to Cleveland, you know, on the heels of the last game they played. Phenomenal, fantastic, one of the best games in the NBA regular season so far. Your average fan would say that. Your average NBA pundit would say that. Did not end up in the Wizards' uh, outcome that they wanted because of a fluke, crazy three. But the Wizards, unbelievable the offense, no, no back-to-back showing. And the reason we mentioned the, the minutes of the next game because maybe that helped out. Even the Wizards have been pretty well uh, done, really well this season on back-to-backs. They went 127 to 115. Unbelievable game, dude. Like I watched the first half. I had a fancy baseball draft, my buddy. We put it on. We stopped watching the Gonzaga game, and I mean. Out of nowhere. I mean, John Wall at halftime, he hits his first eight shots. Jumpers wet all over, d- abusing Kyrie. He has 21-5 and five after the first quarter. I mean, it was it was incredible. The Wizards scored 71 points in the first half. You know, obviously their defense, they gave up, uh, what is that, 60, 61. So 71-61, back and forth. And then the Wizards closed it out. It, it was seven, I mean, I mean, the stats were unbelievable, dude. Seven guys in double figures. Beal had 27. Wall had 37 and 11. Uh, you know, you mentioned Kelly Rubre, 16 points off the bench in 25 minutes. Amazing hustle plays. Really showed his athleticism. He was 7 of 8. Jason Smith was hitting caught shots. And we really saw this team that we had seen peaking throughout the year manifest itself at all and expose potentially Cleveland's defense, who has been bad all year, and make up for that that loss, that tough loss that they took in the Verizon Center. Your thoughts on the on the Cavs game because it was it was a hell of a game and a fun fun experience for your Wizards fans on multiple levels.
2: Well, I'm going to be honest. In the second half, when when um, the fourth quarter when Cleveland cut it to three, mm-hmm. I just felt like okay. This is where Cleveland is going to show their championship medal and they're going to separate themselves from the Wizards. And I guess the thing that struck me is that they did not, you know, I think teams in years past would have let Cleveland not just come back and overtake them, but kind of demoralize them. And the Wizards just would not back away. I mean, they just, they extended the lead at one point, you know, Kelly Oubre scored on a couple of putbacks and, you know, it just, it was, I don't want to say shocking, but it was surprising to me on a second night of a back-to-back just how focused and determined the Wizards were. The second thing that struck me is that, you know, I have some, you know, my family is from Cleveland and Akron, and they keep telling me how fluky it is that, you know, Cleveland's just preparing for a playoff run, and, you know, they weren't really taking the game seriously, but this is the second time that the Cavaliers have allowed the Wizards to score over 120 points. And that's not something that you can just dismiss. I think there are some serious flaws in the way the Cavaliers are defending. You know, there's no dela Vadovo over there. There are Kyrie who has to guard John Wall. You know, and there's, you know, depending on who's who's there, whether it's J.R. Smith or Shumpert have to guard Beale, And that's just... You know, when you look at the athleticism of those two on the court, it's, it's kind of jarring to see just how much Cleveland cannot stay with them. And
0: well, look at their three bench players dude. Korver, Jaron Williams, Aaron Williams, Richard Jefferson. Right, I, mean, I mean, I mean, that's their three top reserves currently. So I don't see.
2: I mean, you can always point to Kyrie; he shot terribly, eight for twenty-three. Okay, I, I'll give you that. But you look at the Wizards. Bogdanovich didn't play okay Brandon Jennings I guess he was still spent from the night before he didn't have the best of games he didn't even reach double figures there are you know you could point to Porter and and had 10 points he didn't play well and neither did Gortat so you I'm not just gonna buy that Kyrie shot horribly and the Wizard and the Cavaliers didn't get enough help when the Wizards didn't win with the formula they have usually been winning at either so I just think that this sample size just kind of tells you that this is not a good matchup for Cleveland. I think they'd rather see Boston than Cleveland because, I mean, than the Wizards because Wall and Beal just wreak havoc, and now you have a bench of players who can shoot. You have players who can push the pace, and so that—that's what struck me because I, you know, I was at that first game at the Verizon Center, and then I was watching this one, and and you realize these teams are were it not for a terrible start by the Wizards at the beginning of the season, these teams will be a little closer in record, and they are closer on the court. Now, you know, if I'm to believe LeBron and Tyron Lue, there's some mystical, magical defensive plan that they haven't built yes, yes, yet yes. that we're going to see when the season starts, and they're going to turn it on. And I saw someone tweet today. I don't... if it, it may have been Dave McMenamin or or Pablo Torre. One of them said that you have to give the Cavaliers the benefit of the doubt. Because they did come back from a three-one deficit when things were a lot more dire than they are now, and so so, you can't just say they're in trouble. But I'm, I, I I'm not gonna say they're in trouble, but there is cause for concern, and I think that the Wizards exposed that, and then the Spurs just peeled it all the way back last night.
0: So, and plus Kevin Love, 17 points. I know he's coming off from the injury still, but he he really. Him and Thompson really dominated that first matchup and helped them and helped Cleveland stay in that game. You know, aside from the fluke shot by LeBron and Kyrie, you know, sealed it in overtime with some of the crazy shots that he made. But it, we really exposed Cleveland, I think, again on this game. You know, even comparing them to Boston, where we're, you know, we're talking about Smart and Avery Bradley and Crowder and how physical those wings can play against. You know, skinny guys like Porter and Oubre and get in and frustrate Beal and Wall at times. Or obviously, Kyrene's not frustrating anyone. And you got Richard Jefferson, who's still in the freaking league somehow on Fountain of Youth. And Darren Williams has never been able to stop John Wall. And they don't, you know, and JR Smith and, you know, I guess Schrumper didn't play. So maybe, I guess, a little bit. But it's not like you're thinking they're not like the players defensively, like the way Boston has that. So, in a, in a weird way, even though Isaiah Thomas is, is bad on defense in a bad matchup, I think to defend the Wizards. It's almost like Boston might be a tougher matchup for the Wizards in a seven-game series than Cleveland. Of course, Cavs fans don't want to hear that because you're not listening to this podcast because, you know, what up, Cleveland? You lost, and you love to uh, bother me. And I'm not going to go on a a minute-minute, bazillion-minute rant about that, but it really kind of manifested in itself that Maybe this Wizards team, again, has the confidence to go into Cleveland and produce. And the way we saw John Wall get out on the break, you know, his, his, his jumper was, was going and helped his confidence. And he'd been in, I would say, a, a mini slump. But, the, you know, he hit he hit Oubre. He hit Porter for a, a bucket and one dunk that pretty much sealed the game, one of the highlights of the evening. And we really saw a way that Cleveland does have problems on the perimeter stopping them and, and the stats say it like you were saying the magical I mean the Wizards have been poor defensively since the All-Star break, but Cleveland's actually worse than them. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're trying to win a title and they have different expectations. I know obviously LeBron James is the is the is the X factor here and I, I do think that, that Thompson and Love at their at their high level do still propose some problems. For the Wizards. But also I think that the Wizards also do too is, is have ability to have Markeith check LeBron and show some physicality. And, you know, and have, you know, Porter, you know, struggles here in time with LeBron because everyone struggles with, you know, the best player arguably still in the world. But having a, a guy like Markeith who can do inside out and I thought the other thing that Brooks did really magically here at the game, I want to give him kudos for, was really going small and putting putting Ubre, Porter, Markeef, Beal, and Wall to close this game out at long stretches. And we haven't really seen much of that lineup. We saw a little bit earlier uh, with Ubrey playing the four uh, early in the season with you know with Gortat more say than Morris. But I thought that 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 lineup that five is something that maybe we can see more. Uh, in the playoffs here when teams go smaller potentially? Well, I think he definitely could get away with it because as you mentioned, Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love were so dominant on the boards in
2: the first game. You know, Tristan Thompson really didn't do much. He had four offensive rebounds. He had four rebounds total. He really wasn't the terror that he was before. And I think, you know, nobody really pays attention, but if Tristan Thompson is not rebounding and not scoring that way, he's really a liability on the floor. So... I think that's, that's, that's a good read by Coach Brooks. I I do... I I, I kind of worry that the Wizards will be a little too confident. You know, I, I guess them if they play. Well, that's getting ahead of myself. But I wish that they would take... The way that they get up for the Cavaliers is the way I wish they would get up for every team, including tonight on the road against the Lakers, where they feel like this team is not going to beat us and we're better than them. I understand that you get up for the champs, but again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. The Wizards just feel like they don't have to take that mindset into every game, and this year, more than any other year, it's frustrating because you know when they are hitting on all on all cylinders, they can literally beat any team in the NBA.
0: I thought another interesting tidbit I had about this game before we move on: the Wizards that that a Porter dunk, I believe. And one was two or three, two and a half minutes left in the game. They're up like 11 or 12. right? And all of a sudden they call a timeout and, and Lou just emptied the bench. It was a total Lou, you know, coach on the staff with Doc Rivers. Popovich move. Someone, someone told me he wrote a whole book about that, waving the white flag. And I was like, I was really, conf- I mean, I was like, thank you for taking out all your starters, because we've seen the Wizards try to blow it. They almost try to blow it in the Hawks game, I just mentioned, multiple times that, that, that Washington will go into funk at the end of games and make things closer than they should be and irritate uh, fans that everyone's not listening to this. Your thoughts on, on Ty Lu waving the white, white flag there? Were you surprised? Because I kind of was. No, I wasn't surprised because I think after a while, I mean,
2: it was just – there were at least three or four times in the second half where the Cavaliers were just all out trying to cut the lead and they were going to run and it, it just wasn't happening and I don't, I don't think it was premature it was there was 223 left i believe that was the time and the wizards had just went up 12 points I mean i just i did not see them closing the gap so i i, I didn't think it was you know too big of a deal i think that if you know the Wizards, the Cavaliers were in the middle of a run and they were kind of methodically closing it. But at that point, it was it was quite the opposite. I mean, the lead had been the single digits and the Wizards were pushing it up. So I I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't think it was a dick move. I think it was the right thing to do as opposed to extending the game, on a bunch of petty fouls, and that it just wasn't in the cards that night. And so, you know, I, I I didn't think it was a big deal. I think. I think as a coach, you know your team, and you know when when there's a run in them and you feel like they have it, and you also know when it's just not there. And if you think about who the closer is typically is for the Cavaliers, it's Kyrie Irving. I mean, God bless God bless LeBron, but it's Kyrie who closes games. He didn't have it either. So, you know, I, I didn't think it was a big deal. I was a little surprised, but I, I didn't think it was a big deal.
0: So the Wizards this year have had two nights off in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, and they've had some random places they've been all season. And you know they've one time in Milwaukee got they got their asses kicked, another time was an early game on Sunday, and they were able to win because the Greek freak didn't play. But the schedule makers do uh, make up for the two nights uh, off in of Milwaukee that they've they're gonna have uh, they had two nights off uh, in a row in Los Angeles, California. Uh, they're gonna play the Lakers and the Clippers on back-to-back nights at the same arena, so that means that they're gonna be in LA from Sunday to Wednesday night or Thursday, right? So they get have four days in LA. God bless the schedule makers on this, and get to play one team who doesn't really care, and the Lakers tonight, and then play the Clippers uh, tomorrow night, who are also reeling after they blew a winnable game. Uh, who did who did they lose to? They, lost, they blew some crazy lead.
2: Uh, Sacramento.
0: Yeah. So was, they said it was the long, the biggest lead a team has lost in like in like ten years or something. It's something wild. All right. Buddy Hill,
2: also known as Steph Curry, yes. just just blew up in the fourth quarter with their team.
0: But my point is is that I'm usually concerned when there's a night off in L.A., more so than Milwaukee, and the Wizards have two nights off in L.A., thankfully they're playing the Lakers before the Clippers, correct? Right. And, the, and the Lakers need to lose all their games so they can potentially keep their pick, because if they don't finish, get top three, they lose their pick completely. So they're in, you know, they've already shut down Moskov, they shut down Lowell, dang, I mean, they I mean, Luke Walton has pretty much told you they want to lose. So, I mean, they traded Lou Williams off earlier, I guess, a month ago. But, so, here's the deal. So, I'm not really worried because the first game is against the Lakers. They don't want to win. And then today, TMZ breaks. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, TMZ Sports, our man, the Polish Hammer, the Polish Machine, get into a car outside a club. I believe must have been Sunday night. Uh, three girls. He opens the... He opens the he opens the door up. He's in a T-shirt with some. He looks like a T-shirt from like you know five ten years ago. But uh, don't listen, don't don't hear this Gortat or any of his Polish fans telling him I said that. Uh, they get in, you know, some some uh, some stuff hanging out, with some ladies, uh, and the video is just like there's Morchin Gortat balling in Holly East West Hollywood with three girls getting into a, an Uber. <laughs> Did you see that video? <laughs>
2: I didn't see the video. I saw the still, you know, as as a rule, I, I generally don't like to give TMZ Sports any clicks because I just think it's trash. But I saw it and, you know, I mean, look, we don't know what uh, Gortat typically does on the road. <laughs> you know, we don't know if he gets it in or not. You know, I'm not. It's not like he's boxing twelve rounds. We have to worry about his legs. He's not playing. Well, coach. I was
0: trying to figure out which one he's hooking up with. I mean, everyone thinks he's going to hook up with all three, but I was like, all right, if I rank the three, which one? What's what's Gort-? But I don't know how Gortai rolls. I don't know what kind of guy he is. You know, right? I mean, we don't is, know how he is, rolls. Is he an right? ass guy? Is, is he a, is he a breast guy? Like you know, is like the white girl. You know, where's he? Where's he rolling? I know he's from Poland. You know, so I don't know. I don't know. You know, I can tell you. I, I give you a chance with my bros in the Midwest. Uh, you know, where they would probably low. Sometimes Eastern European guys don't really know. But uh so you said that you you saw a still of the video. Right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't
2: watch. That. I didn't click on the video. I...
0: Commercial break time. Yes, my sponsor Sneakers, S N E K I S dot com. DMV Sports Apparel. The Nats season is about to begin. Get some fresh baseball gear along with the Caps and the Wizards for the postseason. And at checkout, enter Pixel Roll and get ten percent off your order. And in the process, you hook me up and support this Wizards Independent Media. Now back. To the show. So the point of my uh, diatribe there was: should we be concerned about the Wizards being in LA for for two days here? Look, I'm I'm very concerned because
2: I, when I looked at this road trip, there it's a perfect mix of first of all, you have a young team. who I know they're supposed to be losing, and the Lakers, but if D'Angelo decide, D'Angelo Russell decides he has a, a point to prove, and the Lakers are just a dangerous team they, they, they are and then you go to the Clippers and you don't know when the, that light bulb is going to go off and they're going to be pissed that they haven't been winning and Doc Rivers is going to say let's get it together you know and then the last two games of that road trip Utah and Golden State Utah is notoriously the most difficult place to win at period and Golden State is rolling right now you know and so they could easily go one and three or you know well, two and two would be decent, but th- I don't. These teams that they're playing on this particular trip aren't quite the cakewalk that they had on their other road trip when they played Minnesota and,
0: you know. Uh, well, uh, well, well, if there is a trap game, it is the Lakers tonight, correct? I mean, if there is one, I don't even. I don't even see that as a trap game. I just
2: think that when you play when you're playing a young team that has nothing to lose, everybody seemingly has the green light. You you can you can lose. I mean you're. You're trying to get ready for the playoffs. Maybe you're trying to do things a little differently than they are, and I, I just I just think it's a dangerous road trip. And I use danger in air quotes because I mean, if they sink down to four, it's not so bad. I mean, they're still they they're still in the playoffs. But I just think that with this particular team, it's important to have some momentum, and maybe you can get momentum back at the end of the season when you finish with the Knicks, Heat, and Pistons, and Heat again. But they need a good showing on this road trip because what you don't want to do is come back home against Charlotte having lost three games in a row or three out of four because then the doubt creeps in so I'm you know I want them ideally if I could script it they would have they would beat the Lakers the way they beat the Nets and kind of get that out of the way but I I just think the Lakers are a dangerous team
0: Yeah, great segue Rashad because I think I buried the lead of this podcast but I, I told you earlier before we got on here what I feel is now the question left for this team. I mean, I guess besides from hanging that conference banner, uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, division banner, uh, the Southeast division banner is now there's some there's been some movement here in the top of the Eastern Conference. And this whole time we have been like, hey, can we catch Boston? And, you know, last week pretty much put that to bed. And now we have Toronto, who's won seven in a row, and they're charging. They're only a game behind the Wizards. So if the Wizards win tonight, there'll be a full game. Uh, they're a game behind, a game. I'm sorry, a game ahead of them in the in the last column. Uh, and their and their schedule is way more favorable to end this than than the Wizards. And so it's always been about getting third, so them and Boston can play in the second round and avoid Cleveland. At number one, but now Cleveland is in a slump, and now they have lost, and Boston is playing well. So now Boston is now a half game above them. So now you have Boston a half game above Cleveland, the Wizards a half game above Toronto, the fifth through uh, seventh in the Eastern Conference is all identical at 37 and 36 with the Bucks, the Hawks, and the Pacers. So basically, you have two bunches going on here in the Eastern Conference, and now all of a sudden it's all flipped. I mean, there's still is a chance, obviously, you know, Cleveland can prevail, and be number one. Now, it's always been about Rashad us avoiding the Cavs in the second round because for obvious reasons. Now, here's the options. So if Boston would hold off Cleveland, how much do we just allow Toronto to Cause the Wizards have fourth play. Wizards can't get worse than fourth, essentially. So how much is it? Is it in the interest of the Wizards, of fans, of the organization, to really avoid Cleveland in the second round? Or, or, or do we try to just win, play well? Do we sit guys? I mean, there's, you know, like I said, Toronto has a better schedule. I mean, if you see that, you know, and then all of a sudden, if you try to avoid, uh, you know, Cleveland, then say the last two or three games and Cleveland jumps up Boston. So the whole time you sit guys. I mean, there's a lot in flux here with, how much emphasis does this team or us as fans put on avoiding Cleveland in the second round? Or is there anything else that we should just worry about more so fighting off Toronto, get get the best record we can. And also do we sacrifice? I think the better question is the fact that now the Wizards are 45 and 28. They need to finish five and four in the last nine games to win 50 games for the first time in, since 1979. And that's an accomplishment more so than the banner. But the ultimate goal is, is to put yourself in better position for the playoffs because that's what you're going to care about more uh, as an organization, as, as followers of this team. What are your thoughts about how this is now shaking out? Because now there's a lot going on here in the last two weeks of the season.
2: Well, I think just from talking to the players, I think 50 games is important to everybody. I think that's that's a milestone that they want. John Wall has mentioned that uh, as his bill. So I, I think that's important. But in terms of avoiding Boston or Cleveland... And avoiding think- Cleveland more than Boston. I don't think that that's something that they're concerned about. I mean, I, I think that they've beaten Boston, they've beaten Cleveland, and they've beaten them in ways that make them think if we play our best, we can handle them. I think, I mean, you may not agree with me. First of all, they're going to have home court no matter what. Correct. Okay, first so, round.
0: I'm talking about the second round.
2: First round. The second round. I, I don't think that they're they're worried. I, I really don't. I think they're more worried about the first round. Like I'd be worried if I had to play Miami because they just don't match up well with Miami. But I think that once you get to the second round, you like your chances. And you like your chances because you've had big, game, big games against both Boston and Cleveland where they were playing their very hardest, and so were you, and you won. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is – the only thing you're concerned about is the same thing that derailed the Wizards in the past second-round matchups is injuries, mm-hmm. which you can't control because injuries very much influenced how they, how they fared – the last two times they were in the second round, but just straight up talent, I there's there's nothing to worry about. And if I'm Scott Brooks, I'm telling them, I'm telling them that. I'm like, look, we played well, we played hard, we beat them, we lost close, we had a bad loss to Boston when we didn't match their physicality. That will not happen. If, even if it happens in game one of a series with Boston, it won't happen any you know any other time. So I don't, I really. I'm not even being, you know, overly optimistic here, but I just think that the reason why you were so upset when you lost to Cleveland the first time uh, in, in in February and the reason why you came back and played so hard the second time is that you know you're better than both these teams and you can beat them when you're at your best. So, you know, this isn't this isn't like in the Gilbert era where the Wizards beat beat Chicago and then it was like, "Thank you for playing the Heater about to kick your ass." You know, that's not that's not what we have here. We have evenly matched teams in the second round. And, you know, I again, if I'm Scott Brooks, I'm feeling good because I don't have to concoct a scenario by which we can win. I can point to specific games within the past month or so. saying, look, remember what we did here? Let's repeat that. So,
0: well, I think like, also recently, wasn't there a team, I was like two or three years ago, where it, I don't know, was it the Nets or the Bulls are trying to avoid like LeBron in the second round? And then they end up like losing to the Bulls right. or something yep. like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess, like in that sense, you don't want to do that per se. But if I look, so I look at the Raptors' schedule. This is the Raptors' schedule. They got the Hornets at home, Indiana at home, Sixers at home, at Indiana and at Detroit back to back, Heat at home, at the Knicks and at the Cavs. Uh, the Wizards, like you mentioned, uh, they they have, uh, hold on real quick, they have the Lakers tonight at the Clippers, I mean, Clippers, same arena tomorrow night. Day off at the Jazz. Day off at Golden State. Come back home. The Hornets at home at the Knicks. The Heat at home at Detroit and at the Heat. And I guess what's what's gonna be interesting about this Wizards schedule is you're right. Like beating the Hornets and Knicks is gonna be very. Uh, I think it's more so like how do they do? Like do they? Were they able to beat the Jazz or the Clippers? Let's just say the Warriors is a loss, right? And let's say the Lakers are win. So if they're able to split the Clippers and Jazz, 2-1-0 would be great. Let's just say 1-1, then the Hornets and Knicks games become very important because I feel like the Heat at, at, at Detroit and at the Heat, and they do not match up well with a song whiteside and the way the Heat have been playing, uh, this second half of the season. And you have also the Heat and the Pistons who are fighting for playoff position, correct? So, like, you can't even, like, kind of mail that in. But I was just wondering if, like, at this point, say you go in the last, three, the last three games, the Heat, Pistons, Heat, those three games, and you're like, all right, Toronto's now a game up on us, and now Boston's in first. Do we just lose the last three and sit wall? But you say, like, I mean, I know we can talk about this in a week when it's more, we can figure this out more uh, in depth. But I just don't know where your head was at on those kind of scenarios, or do you not kind of worry about that at all?
2: Look, John Wall had a migraine going into that Brooklyn game. He looked like shit. He had a hood on. He warmed up with a hood on. He came out of warm-ups with a hood on. He was moving sluggish. And before the game, Chris Miller asked him point blank, why not just rest John Wall? He's not feeling well. Tomorrow you play Cleveland. That's a big game. You know you want all hands on deck. And again, Scott Brooks repeated, no this is our job this is what we're paid to do unless the trainer specifically tells me that one of my guys can't go I'm going to play them so I think we're, we're past that point where we're going to see him wrestling when I think that they're I think the Wizards are in a nice group they don't want to go in on a losing streak or not having played their best and I think that with nine games left Scott Brooks isn't going to change who he is I mean i you know Chris Miller looked at me and was like he really needs to rest him and I, I think the same thing I think that a little rest won't hurt them particularly if you already if you're already locked into a first round home court series I, I think that you can afford to rest because you're not it's not worth chasing number one most likely you won't get it so I think they should rest but that's not how Scott Brooks thinks and that's not what's gonna happen I think the better thing that they can do is to beat up on teams like the Knicks and the Heat, put them away early and rest. But I don't, as you alluded to, that's not going to happen against the Heat. Maybe it'll happen against the Pistons, but if they're fighting for a spot, that's not going to happen either. So we just have to. What's the expression? Dance with the girl or brung you? Yeah, exactly. yeah. I think I think that's that's what's going to happen.
0: Now, now we're. I love that that I. You know, after the slog of last season and being a Wizards fan forever, and we can count the number of playoff victories, uh, uh, postseason series victories on a hand that we've been a fan of this team over the last uh, two decades, I was shod. And it's funny for that I'm. Talking about tanking games to get better playoff (laughs) favorable matchups, (laughs) which is just so funny on on his face as I'm trying to win as we're trying to advocate 50 games for the first time forever, which has always been a bugaboo uh, for us. And, you know, screw really the division uh, banner per se. But here's another one. Which of these uh, three teams would you want to face in the first round? Milwaukee, Atlanta, Indiana. They are now all currently, like I mentioned, tied. The same record. The the Heat are two games back of those with nine games of play. So potentially, I guess the Heat could jump in there. But it would be hard for the Heat to jump up to fifth. Uh, I mean, I guess they could. But I don't know all the tiebreakers in that scenario. Maybe a week from now we would have a little bit better uh, grip on that. Is any of the... If you rank those three teams which which of those scare you the most, or which one doesn't really matter, or should we just be more concerned with the second round the matchup? I mean obviously you want to win you know we have home court uh are you locked up obviously of those three uh those teams what you know what's your thoughts
2: Indiana would scare me the most because paul george is a legitimate star he's performed in the playoffs he knows what it takes to win and that's just the kind of team that i mean even al jefferson coming off the bench that's that's a dangerous team and i I wouldn't that, that would just scare me the most because you could have a game where the wizards play well and paul george puts up a 45 50 spot on you and you lose you know and he could do that in game one of a series so they scare me the most milwaukee scares me the second most because you know the Greek Freak could do the same thing but he's not playoff tested and I think that that team you know I think that they don't have Jabari Park and I just don't they don't have enough weapons to truly scare the Wizards and then the Hawks it's just not the same team there's no Horford you know there's no um
0: there's well, no if, the, if there's a team that's going to catch if the Heat's going to catch a team I think it's the Hawks at this point
2: right I, I think so and I, I think the Hawks just aren't scary to me. It's Indiana and if you through the heat in there. The Heat are the team that that's the most scary because they're just they have. First of all, they're they're overachieving big time. I don't think anybody expected them to be where they are. They've been playing well for a sustained period of time, just about even with the Wizards since. He
0: it's it's, it's can Coach, you. I mean, getting yeah. him in a seven-game matchup. I mean, that's problematic at times. He can coach and. Dragic can beat you. Waiters can beat you. Whiteside can beat you. I mean, Whiteside white has dominated the Wizards so many games in the last few seasons.
2: And so, you know, I, I, that's the team that would scare me the most. I mean, ultimately, I still think that the Wizards can win because, again, I think being playoff tested does matter. It's, it's one thing when you beat a team once – but when you have to beat a team, in a series, it's just different. And as well as Spolster and coach, I think that when you're in a series where you have to win four of seven, superior talent ultimately is going to win, and I think the Wizards will be able to win. But that just – I think that that – if they had to face the Heat in the first round, that would just take a lot out of them, and that would be to their disadvantage. If they had to go against Cleveland or Boston,
0: well, just to be based on this year, Milwaukee scares me the most because they beat the shit out of them that one game, and the other game Greek Freak didn't play, and the other and the other time they won at home, the Wizards had to come back at the end, and and I just feel you're correct that Jabari Parker's uh, absence uh, hurts them. I don't know his injury status. Is he out for the year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's that helps out the Wizards in that sense. So, but they've been playing better ball. You know, personally, I would want to, to play Atlanta in Indiana. Uh, probably you're right in the sense that Atlanta without Millsap doesn't have uh, a player of the caliber of Paul George, but I have some ghosts. The last two times the Wizards have been exited from the playoffs were because of Indiana and Atlanta. So I'd like to maybe beat the, one of those teams. So so I'd like to you. Know, Take them down in the playoffs, especially some of their fans. Even though I don't mind either their fans or the Bucks fans, and I actually uh, have liked the Bucks most of my life. Anyway, uh, go Big Dog. Uh, and so, but I do feel like Milwaukee with Brogdon and and the Greek Freak, I think that that kind of scares me. But you're right in the sense that Milwaukee, I think, being in the playoffs and not having, you know, him like their best player, not having the experience that Beal and Wall have had, uh, would help Washington. And uh, the home court would definitely help them. Uh, Rashad, what? Let's go to Twitter questions, and then we'll end it. Okay. First question is from Brian Mills uh, at Twitter Fresh X Design. He asks, "How long will it take for Brooks to settle on a rotation?" I think he already has. Right.
2: I mean, I, I think the reason why you see uh, Gortat's minutes down is. He has settled on a rotation. It's a rotation where he gets to work Mahemny in, and now Bogdanovich he has to work in. And I think the only wild card will be Ubre. I think if Ubre continues to play well, that'll kind of force his hand in a different way. But I, I think that Brooks is very much settled on a rotation, so I don't, I don't think that's much, as much of an issue now as it, as it was when Mahimni wasn't playing. Uh,
0: every 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 day, B uh, DP ever his question. Is Jennings going to be a big part of the postseason rotation? Is, 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 the question was, is he? Yeah, is Jennings going to be a big part of the postseason rotation? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I
2: when I was watching him against Brooklyn, and just the way he, not only the way he was able to push the ball, but the rest he was able to get John Wall, it's important that John Wall not play all of any quarter at all. And so if Jennings can come in with two, three minutes left in the first quarter and give Wall a rest and kind of maintain the lead, that, that, that adds up to a fresh John Wall. There's nothing more demoralizing than seeing John Wall come into the game in the fourth quarter with only about two or three minutes gone by, having to basically play the duration of the fourth quarter to get the team back in the game. So it's important. Number one, it's important that Jennings actually shoots the ball and not just runs around. But it's important that he scores and puts pressure and feels good about himself so that he can give Wall some significant rest because he's going to need that in the playoffs because Cleveland is going to be able to rest their guys and Boston is going to be able to do it. So the backup point guard is important. I think that we can give up. At one point, we we flirted with the idea of Wall and and Jennings playing together. But that I think that's super still. I think that's not going to happen. I think Jennings' sole role is to spell John Wall, get him some rest.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Jennings can be a pest. Sometimes he can be a little bit out of control, and he's, he's had some transition issues here and there. But, you know, he had a big three against Atlanta, and you were talking about it earlier against the Nets, really catalyzed and put that game away, and you saw why he – at one point in his career scored fifty points for the Bucks and it was an integral part of what the Pistons were doing in previous seasons. And I think definitely he will be a major part of of the Wizards playoff run. Uh some scoring and some playmaking on the second unit. Trevor, Wiz Fan at WizFansX, X, does Otto deserve the Max?
2: No. I mean if he look I would be able to you could talk me down off of that if he had actually ended the season the way he began it, but he's, he's kind of come back to earth, and I don't know whether that's he's tired or is he playing hurt like he was last year, or was he just playing above his head? I don't think he's a max player. I think somebody will give him the max, and I could you know if they did, I wouldn't be shocked, but I just don't think he is. I think he's a good, solid third guy in your rotation, and he needs to be paid as such, but he's not a max player.
0: Uh, Kevin Arnovitz, uh ESPN writer, uh, another ESPN writer, Zach Lowe was on Zach Lowe's uh, podcast. I'm gonna. I heard that, and he said that he had a GM or front office guy unnamed team told him that they were they're already have the offer sheet ready for Otto, and he's heard that multiple other teams are ready to offer him the max. I. It's so the money's so messed up, and who was a max, and all that stuff is all shook up now, right? When you see Mozgov get benched, gets a hundred million dollars. You see Deladova get forty fifty million dollars, or you get Tyler Johnson who didn't even play, get sixty million dollars, or Evan Turner who hasn't even was he done? And he came shoot threes in this this game. He got seventy eighty million dollars. and Bazemore got eighty million dollars. And Yamahimi gets sixty four million dollars and can't even do a hook shot. I mean, the whole thing of like the money and all this stuff is all is all whacked. So it's hard for me sometimes to, to go back to what we always thought the max was or what, what it can be because of just of, of the new collective bargaining agreement or just all this new money that's flooded in. So our perception of what that is, has been skewed. I, well, just, like I, a- I just look in the sense that I don't look in the sense. Like can auto be a max player? Like, yo, change your team. But I also know in the sense of should the wizards do it? I think I Eileen, mean, yes. I mean, I think you, it's almost similar to Bradley last year where replacing him is is more is more going to cost them for what they have because the Wizards are able to offer Otto more or match him than another team and be better for their salary cap if the fact that they have let him walk and they have $5, 6000000 million to replace him. And the continuity and all that. Now, I can hear arguments on the opposite side that you can just find another guy or John Wall will make another guy great but I, I mean I see that the fact that Otto still has developed his game to be one of the best three point shooters, still can rebound, he's efficient, doesn't try to do too much, uh knows his role and he has the chemistry with Wall and Beal and he plays off of them extremely well. And and you know, whether or not to, I and I think Ted Ones is gonna do it. I mean, to tell you the truth. I think the front office is probably gonna do it, but that's a different argument than what we think as basketball, you know, observance and fans of this team believe and I, I would say, I would say that because of, do I think that like, Hey, I have a hundred and some million dollars. Do I want to give a player with autos characteristics, like the most money on my team or the first, be the number one, two player. And it's going to work out for me. I'd say, no, probably not. But in this situation, this context, I think that replacing them and the way the salary structure set up and the way the money's all flowing I feel like the Wizards probably should.
2: I, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, in, okay. and in fairness... So we
0: disagree. There we go. Hey, we're, we're, we're hot takes. I, I like it. I like the, it. We can disagree, at Rashad. I like
2: at, the it. T- at the time that Kevin Arnavich recorded that podcast, Otto Porter was still hot. He was still playing out of his mind. Yes. I, and so I, he's not playing that well now. And I think if he has a, an amazing playoff run and he proves to be a vital part of that rotation, then, yeah, I'll give it to him. But if he gets pushed around on defense, and Bogdanovich is more valuable on offense than Otto, than I, I don't know. Well, it, well,
0: you know, well let's go. there's two more questions, right? Okay, on this topic. So Boy Genius, my man, uh, Boy Genius L.A., who I believe probably is already molesting uh, C. Buckhans, uh currently as we record this, that goes to all the, the Wizards games in Los Angeles. His question is, what the F is going on with Otto? Right? This was last week when he asked me this. And Ryan Burton, at Ryan underscore Burton5, he asks, is signing Otto to the Max at the end of the season a sure thing? And with Bohan playing so well lately, is Otto worth the money?
2: Well, I, I think that Bohan needs to stay coming off the bench. I don't I don't think... His
0: the defense is, is bad, dude. His defense it, is bad. It is, and... Even I, know, he, I, know, I know our boy, Joe, Dre Macall, tries to show some clips that says it's not bad, but it's not very good.
2: It's not good, and even... Bogdanovich has come back to earth a little bit. He's not playing as out of his mind as he was when he first got here. And the shooting percentages that he had before he got to the Wizards are starting to hold true. But still, I mean, look, it is difficult to play out of your mind the entire season. I mean, there's a reason why there are only a handful of superstars in the league who can do it. It's, it's, it's difficult to do. You don't know whether he's injured. You don't know whether he's just straight up tired because he's never shot. Played this many minutes as he had in any other season. You don't know if the slight rotation changes, or you just don't know what it is. But he's clearly not the same player. I mean, he's only slipped a second in three-pointing percentage. But you know, I I think it's not the same reason why players like LeBron and you know Kawhi Leonard and all that need to rest. The same thing applies to Otto Porter. Towards the end of the year, you're mentally preparing for the playoffs. You're not quite giving it your all as you were. So I think. Even even though I said he's not a Max player, I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt and see what happens when the playoffs start. Which when the playoffs start, particularly in a second-round series when you're going to need him, I shouldn't keep saying second-round like we're just going to breeze past the first round, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think that is when Otto's work will be showing. If he plays more like he did the first part of the year, then, then we can have a different discussion. Because in the first part of the year, he was somebody who you always had to know where he was on the court at all times. It hasn't been that way the past couple of weeks, so.
0: No, no, I agree. I mean, even when we saw his arrival in the postseason in 2015. Now, this question by Tommy Yoon at Big Asian 35: Will Ubre be the guy to defend the best offensive player down the stretch? Will this affect Bogdanovich's minutes? No. I don't, no, I don't think Oubre no. will be the guy defending the man, do you? He, he won't be the guy because, number one, he... Well, how about Ubre and Bogdanovich's this Do you see them going... You know, because usually when we've seen uh, the Wizards go small, it's been Bogdanovich going to the four. Uh, and we saw some success with Ubre And I, I know our friend Ben Standig uh, asked that question to Brooks uh, before the Hawks game we were at. And now Ubre has performed, and we saw Brooks go to that against Cleveland, which we discussed in detail earlier on the pod. So I guess the Ubre Bogdanovich question more so, right? Like, is is that becoming a thing? Like, what which guy's playing a little bit hotter in the first half, and maybe Brooks goes to one of those more in the second half?
1: No,
2: I just think that means that you don't need a starter playing with the bench anymore. You know, because I mean, for a while he had Morris playing with the bench, or he had Bill playing with the bench players, and I think that if if Ubre and Bogdanovich are both playing well, you don't need to go with a starter in in the to roll with the bench rotation anymore. You can just let the bench players play as is, as that ha- and that happened against Brooklyn. You have all bench players in. Now I think against Cleveland, he switched it up slightly and had Morris and Bill running with the bench at different times because he knew it was a big game. He was trying to keep that lead. But I, I think that he can have trust in the bench to let them play
0: together. Yeah, question. Uh, do you do you think that this this happened to me uh, recently had this question? At what point do you think Wall will be ranked amongst? The best, uh, this is Ryan Burton again, uh, Ryan, Ryan underscore Burton 5. At what point do you think Wall will be ranked amongst the best port guards with Westbrook, Curry, and Harden? I mean, do you think we will finally get his recognition? I mean, do we have to make a. I mean, we've seen his cachet, you know, I had a little dip last year with the Wizards' dip, and, you know, we've already discussed in odd, you know, I've discussed in ridiculous detail about him not getting enough All Star votes compared to when he did. When will Wall get maybe his national respect per se? I guess is this question. I think he already
2: has it. I mean, if you if you equate national respect with mentions on national TV shows like ESPN and NBA TV, he's already there. Yes. Now, if he wants that 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 crossover success where just casual NBA fans know who he is, he's going to have to beat Cleveland. I mean, if they beat Boston and Cleveland this year and they get to the Eastern Conference Finals then you're talking about another stratosphere of fame that your name is synonymous with. He's not he's not quite there yet, you know, and even Isaiah Thomas, as good as he is, he has he has to be thinking the same thing. Same with Kimball Walker. The second tier of guards who, you know, opposing coaches know are good, but haven't reached that stratosphere yet. They have to do something of note. And for Wall, you gotta get to the to the Easter Conference Finals. You have to get to the point where your game is nationally televised televised for four out of the seven games. You know, that's that's the point he has to get to. Even though, again, when you listen to NBA TV and TNT and ESPN, he's already there. There's another level. Well, I mean, there are a couple levels he has to get, but the first one involves getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, which means conceivably you will have beaten either Boston and Isaiah Thomas, who's an MVP candidate, or you beat Cleveland with Kyrie and LeBron, who are the defending champions. And that's how that respect comes, even if they lose in the second round, in the seventh game, it's not the same. It's no better than they did with Pierce. They have to get past the point they were with Paul Pierce, and that they've been in quite a long time to get that respect.
0: Yeah, I was on a local uh, TV talk show, Rashad. Things are working up for this Pixel Roll show and Truth About It. Like someone finally invited me on the TV screen. Right. And, yeah, yeah. You were at the Nets game, and I. The question was basically a call-in question. Should Wall get, you know, MVP consideration? Why doesn't he? And they asked me straight up, and I was like, come on now. I mean, I'd say it like that, but I was like, hey, it's a good question. I mean, he, he is averaging career stats. This is one of the best, you know, he's, I, I forgot to mention, well, two regrets uh, on this one to tell Wizards fans. When they asked me who I thought the, the MVP should be, I said, I said either Harden or Westbrook. Or LeBron or Kyrie, I meant Ka- Kawhi. So anyone out there that thought, think that I think Kyrie's gonna be MVP out there, not at all. I I, I mixed up, you know, Frodian slip of Ka- Kawhi and Kyrie. And but what, I, what I, my point was is like not that I think that Wall is arguably in the MVP. I think he's performed, you know, top. He's having an elite season I and mean, he's second in total assists. Leads. He's tied for steals. Averaging 24 points a game uh, he shot better overall This season He's closed out Those are the points I've made But The main thing that I want to see happen Is him to finally make an All NBA team right? right He has not made one It's been really hard with guards And now with Lowry's injury Maybe it opens a spot But you have Curry Harden and Westbrook you know, on those teams. I mean, I think that maybe he should make second team. And then you have Thomas. You have Isaiah Thomas too, right? So, I mean, he basically has to – there's five guards, right? So, right. it's like, does he – I mean, third team be okay. I would like for him to see – it'd be quite an accomplishment, I think, for John Wall. Probably his best accomplishment maybe ever his career to be second team all of NBA. I mean, I don't – I honestly don't think he cares about any of that. I think no, no, should... I don't care. But I think the only thing that that means more than like all star appearances because they're so voting and so subjective. But at the end of the year, it's like who was on the first three team All NBAs, right? But this is the, this is the wrong year to
2: expect that. I mean, yeah, it's just it's.
0: He should make it third for sure, right? Yeah, I think
2: third is a realistic expectation. I mean, okay,
0: I'm being greedy. I'm being honest enough. right? So you say, but you think you should make third for sure, right?
2: I, I think so. I
0: think right? so. I mean, over Lillard, right? I mean, over who else? I mean, I don't even know what other guards would be involved. I mean, the fact that he is, you know, second assists and first and steals, and averaging twenty four a game, and can't make the top three NBA, and your team is going to be top four uh, in in the Eastern Conference, you know, a top top seven eight team. I think that is qualifying enough. Rashad, uh, uh, one, let's see, one more. This guy just asked if anyone on the team knows who Ludell Eccles is. <laughs> I just had to say that question. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone has knows who a dull duckles is. But uh, that's it, man. Uh, thank you for of your questions. Obviously, I got to them about I don't know six days late. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Rashad. Uh, I, we're just in time to watch the Lakers, uh, which I don't know. I might go to bed instead and just watch it tomorrow because I'm a terrible blogger. Podcast? Are you? what anything else you you are looking forward to in this? This next week or so of the season, or or what we have until the next time I bother and pester you to to come on this podcast. I
2: just, I just want the team to win fifty games to have a a, a milestone that they can reach before the the uh, the playoffs start. I think that would be even more than this bogus division title. I think that would be a good a good bow to put on the season as they head into the
0: playoffs. So I mean, you you don't have your favorite, your favorite cognac or wine or whiskey ready for the division banner tonight if we clench it? I, not. Do not, no, I do have, not know. I have I have sound sleep to offer. <laughs> sound sleep. Uh, dude. Hey man, thanks thanks for coming. Uh thank you everyone for listening. Uh Rashad has been the man. Uh Mr. Kyle We you do not listen. You have a lot of critiques and you struggle to uh get back to me. But uh uh everyone go read our work on truthabata.net. Go to iTunes Stitcher Write some reviews. I will have uh, this podcast up probably on the site, probably where you get it, uh, on your your podcatcher or iTunes. It will be up, ready for you here tomorrow morning. So we will not have any Lakers coverage for you disappointed when you wake up tomorrow morning. But you don't really care much about this game. You do care about this team. Uh, and as always, go Wizards. Peace out. In the heat
1: of the day. I gotta get some money, buy some brand new shoes Try to find somebody to take away You out. We have to let it roll on.